Hello, everyone, and welcome to UGA Sports Rumors versus Facts. I am Blaine Gilmer, joined as always by Trent Smallwood and Jed May, as we are here to talk all things Georgia football recruiting. Uh, and, you know, there's no easy kind of way to go into uh, a broadcast about Georgia football and especially Georgia football recruiting with the tragedy that occurred this weekend. Um, a wreck that resulted in the loss of life of Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix uh, and some other injuries as well. But guys, uh, we wanted to start off this episode. Uh, we know that a lot of uh, people were impacted and uh, it's just felt it's, it's been such a strange time here with the highest of highs for a program, the pinnacle of back-to-back national championships, and then this uh, this just as low as low uh, and numb feeling is how Dash kind of put it in his column, which was very well written of, of losing a guy that was so such a big personality as much as he was a large human being there in, in Devin Willock, and then someone in Chandler Recoy who I've come to learn over the last – day and a half here has had such a tremendous impact on a lot of families that are a part of the Georgia program and maybe are soon to be a part of the Georgia program. Um, Jed, Trent, I'll just kind of open it up to you guys. Uh, we can, uh, we want to start the first part of this episode, just remembering these two individuals and then we'll get on as best as we can to the, uh, you know, business at hand that is Georgia recruiting, but guys, any, any thoughts on, uh, this weekend and kind of what's what's transpired yeah when you talk about Devin um I think he only met with the media you know once or twice I remember being there in March and Dane posted this video on our YouTube channel yesterday um and and he was he's one of these you know Georgia's had a lot of alignment it seems like in recent years with, with pretty good um personalities and Willick was another one he, he had a big smile on his face um when we talked to him which I mean let's be honest not a lot of uh not necessarily everyone has when they meet with the media from a Georgia perspective. And he was certainly, you know, a good guy. I know him and Xavier Trust were very close, both being Northeastern guys. And, um, you know, that's a, that's an area that Georgia's has, has really uh, developed ties in in recent years and getting guys from that Northeastern section of the country. And, um, you know, a good guy, we've seen that video of him and the, the offensive lineman at, um, I think it was the national championship media day. And they're talking about, their go-to restaurants for post game or, or whatever it is. And we've seen that tweet where he uh, meets up with that little kid at a, a Zaxby's or whatever, and, and lets him wear his national championship ring. And, you know, he just seemed like a genuinely a, a good dude. And a lot of it's crazy that, you know, that tweet came out just, just hours before his passing, because that's a window that we don't always get into the lives of these guys. Cause the Georgia football program can be so insulated and it's hard to, um, you know, really get a glimpse into who these guys really are sometimes. So it's, it's, it's a very, um, I'm glad that that tweet came out so we can get a glimpse of, of, if glimpse into who Devin Willick was, because it seems like he was a genuine guy who, um, you know, was loved by, by lots and lots of people inside the program, inside the program and outside as well. Yeah. Trent, uh, any, any thoughts on, uh, on Willick and what we're going to talk of course about, uh, Chandler Recoy, I've got some thoughts on on her and and what I've learned about her specifically. But any thoughts on either either one of the two uh, young people that lives ended too soon this weekend? Yeah, Devin was a uh, uh, he was you know he loved the University of Georgia. Uh, he 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 did everything he could to come to the University of Georgia. He had the leg injury when he came in. Um, we didn't talk to him as much because I guess he was a late addition to this class, uh, more towards signing day, but. We didn't really get the chance to build that relationship like we do with some of these guys, but um, uh, just from everything I've heard, just a genuinely just nice, nice young fellow. I mean, just he was loved by all his teammates. Um, he was loved by people in Athens. He was loved by um, just everybody around him. And you know, my prayers go out to his parents, um, who also had to had to you know he lost his half brother at 20 years old in the same way back in 2009. So uh, I know from a from a parent standpoint, that's just the your worst nightmare. So prayers out to the Willick family and uh, and everybody involved in this tragedy. Uh, I know that the the next few days are not going to be easy. Um, next few months are not going to be easy, but 
um, you know, all we can do is uh, give our support and and love to these these kids because away from the football field, this is this is much stronger than what's on the football field and what Georgia just won. So, yeah, and you know, you mentioned Devin Willock's recruitment, and it was kind of right there uh, when Matt Luke came on board. You know, uh, in that first week or so, right after Sam Pittman leaves and goes to Arkansas, and uh, maybe a guy or two defects from that Georgia class. Well, Matt Luke goes out and identifies Devin, uh, Devin Willock as a guy that that he wants in that Georgia program. And uh, I was at another outlet at the time but I did get to have just a a couple of a couple of interactions with with Devin and and uh just so gracious you know with his time and and as you mentioned Jed a lot of the a lot of the people in this sport that you that you talk to not aren't necessarily thrilled to, to be having the conversations and stuff like that but you could tell that Devin when I when I talked to him he was genuine uh that he he was kind of he was present. He was in the moment. He wasn't off like looking at, at other stuff or anything like that. I mean, he was he was there. He was he was he was listening to you and, and interacting. So, uh, you know, just can't imagine what his family's going through and thoughts and prayers uh, to the Willett family. And then, as far as Chandler Lacroix goes, like I said, I didn't uh, I didn't know a ton about Chandler Lacroix until started getting some interaction with some recruits uh this weekend and I, I just asked them you know hey uh you know i know that you've probably heard about the tragedy i want your thoughts on it and the responses and i you know i won't go into detail with except for one name which i will but uh most of the families and, and players i won't go into detail with who they are but just out of respect for what they're going through and, and the situation but just quotes like she was just a a a good soul and that she was always helpful and always kind and and that she was had had great energy all those kind of things were being said about her and full disclosure tonight we were supposed to have dylan raola the number one recruit in the country in the class of 2024 on this show tonight to talk about his recruitment and his relationship with the georgia bulldogs but he asked uh he, he got in touch with me today and asked hey can i postpone this um, he said, and the quote from the Raola family was that Chandler LaCroix, they were as close to her as they were in any, uh, to any person in the Georgia program. Um, handwritten, you know, letters that they were going through from Chandler talking about, they were recalling uh, interactions they'd had with her even, even recently. Um, and, you know, really touched, touched by how she, treated their family and I thought I'd give a little bit of background because I had someone on the on the vault uh, send me a direct message and asked if I could give a little shed a little light into the role of how uh, these recruiting staff members such as Chandler um, what they kind of do and, and how they're involved and guys they're vital in what goes on in this Georgia program and the success of it because they become an extension of these families literally when these recruits arrive and their families arrive for these visits it's it's people like Chandler who was a recruiting analyst that are in charge from start to finish of making sure they end up where they're supposed to be getting them getting them from place to place uh, taking care of any you know needs they may have during the time they're handling a lot of that outside communication, checking up on them, you know, periodically, things like that. And by all accounts, she was absolutely excellent uh, at, the, at that job. Um, see quotes out there from, from Kirby Smart. Uh, you see, you see, you know, he, he said in the AJC store that uh, Brandon Sudge wrote that, that he said he wishes he could have five, five of um, Chandler LaCroix. I mean, needing, and that that many of her in the program because she was that good at, at what she did. And, you know, like I said, multiple recruits have have uh, reached out and said that to me and also on social media, even guys who have went elsewhere, you can see uh, they were they were impacted by how, how just how Chandler treated them during um, their time being recruited by Georgia. So our thoughts and prayers are out to those families and all those that are impacted and just realize that it's a, there's a lot that goes into this, um, this whole program that's bigger than, 
wins and losses, there's relationships. Uh, Kirby Smart talks about connection, and uh, I, you know, it, it no more time than this do I pray that part of that program is absolutely true because they're going to need connection and need each other and need prayer during this time so we thought we would open the show uh with that and, and kind of give you guys uh, some some insight that we've just kind of gleaned in either our interactions with those two individuals or uh people that have been around them so uh we the only way we can transition is that we know that Chandler was you know crazy about recruiting and that she would love that Georgia program uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about the last you know works that she did this weekend uh, and talk about some of the visitors that came for the national championship celebration uh, Jed there was a lot of people in in town a lot of talented prospects uh, and you know, it turned out to be a uh, fruitful weekend as well as uh, Georgia has claimed two commits in the class of 2025 uh, after this weekend of visits. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll start there first. Um, two guys who were in town, Justice Terry, a, a Rivals 100 defensive lineman from Manchester, Georgia, and then Micah DeBose from Alabama, Rivals 100 offensive lineman, uh, both committed today. We, got, we started getting wind of um, DeBose actually last night. Um, or actually Saturday night, I think it was. Um, and it, it's kind of been, you know, didn't happen Sunday for, for obvious reasons. It was pushed back to today. Um, and Justice Terry is a guy who he kind of came a little out of nowhere in terms of committing a day, but Georgia's been a program at the forefront um, of that recruitment for a while. And, and um, you know, I was, I was thinking about it today because, you know, when Jaden Perlotti committed and everyone's like, oh, that class is so far off and this and this, that, that's the the next class up now. And it's starting to get a little more real in terms of building that class um, from a Georgia perspective. And they're starting to build it from the inside out. You get two rivals, 100 guys um, and the trenches locked up. Um, and then you've got a, um, you know, an inside outside linebacker hybrid type and Jaden Perlotti and then a running back in Jabri Coleman. So, um you know, recruiting never stops as, as Chandler LaCroix knew well. And, and even as this 24 class is continuing to be built and there were plenty of those guys in town over the weekend as well. Um, the sites are already set on that 25 class and they added, you know, kind of a, a stud on both sides of the ball within about probably two hours of each other today. Absolutely. Trent, uh, your thoughts on the two commits, uh, justice Terry and, uh, and Micah DeBose in the class of 2025. And oddly enough, now Georgia, has won back-to-back national championships. They have the number one recruiting class in the class of 2024 and the number one recruiting class in the class of 2025 as we speak. Yeah, I mean, those are those are two top 100 guys. Or, or I think they're top, both top to 100. Um, uh, you got Micah DeBose. So, you know, you're going, going into Alabama, and I know Alabama has it offered, but, uh, you know, he, he did camp at Alabama and, and, and Georgia – um, you know, apparently saw something they liked uh, with this whole thing and uh, with, with his game. And, um, you know, he, he started at left tackle as a, as a freshman and um, uh, on his high school team, uh, helped lead his team to a state championship in 4A in Alabama. Uh, he plays multiple sports. He plays basketball. He plays uh, – he's also track. Georgia looks for those basketball players uh, uh, on the offense line, the athleticism and the ability to get out in space and block. And this is a big dude. I mean, 6'5", 315. Um, he, 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 but he, but he's athletic. He gets out and uh, he's athletic in space and and uh, is really a. Uh, I think you, you look at you look at 2025. It's a long ways out to project offensive linemen. It's hard enough to project offensive linemen and uh, you know the class we're in now. Yeah. But uh, I do. I think he's he's got potential to be be very good. And uh, you know I could see uh, you know sitting on that five star and being top 100 prospect, uh, you know, come and I, and I certainly do believe Alabama's going to offer at some point and, and Georgia will have to hold on there. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we referenced uh, Raquez McElderry in this 2023 class, you know, the Georgia kind of noticed him first, so to speak in the, in the uh, state of Alabama, uh, George, you know, Alabama comes in and ends up, uh, you know, winning over that recruitment there. So Georgia, obviously, it's great to get these guys committed early. Georgia has four commits in the class of 2025. You see most colleges out there, especially in the in the rankings right now, they only have one out there. So Georgia's kind of jumped ahead in that in that number. But um, you know, when it comes down to it, now it's the process of continually 
recruiting and staying in communication, all that kind of stuff, and sending the, the, the flyers and the mailers and all that kind of stuff and just reiterating what we were talking about earlier. That's exactly what people like uh, Chandler LaCroix in that program did. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a big operation going forward uh, to try to continue to, to make sure that, that these two commitments end up in the class of uh, 2025. Now, kind of going back to some of the visitors, um, I had the chance and we'll have a piece out on it uh, tomorrow. Um, just kind of got delayed with a lot of the stuff that we've, we've had uh, here in the last day or so, but got a piece coming out tomorrow on uh, Ryan Puglisi, who is the class of 2024 quarterback commit uh, and to, to the university of Georgia. He was there this weekend and guys, he just reiterated how much he loves Athens and it, he loves it more and more. Every time he comes said that he was recruiting specifically guys like Daniel Calhoun in the class of 2024, Ellis Robinson, Sammy Brown. So these guys uh, are major Georgia targets. And here you, here you have Jed, the, you know, signal caller uh, of the future, potentially in the 2024 class, Ryan Puglisi doing his part uh, to, to recruit those guys to Athens. Yeah. And it, it seems, you know, as soon as Dylan Royola decommitted from Ohio state, which I guess was probably you know, about a month or month or so ago, everyone, the, the, the automatic assumption is okay. If Georgia gets him, Puglisi has gone and, and Blaine, when you talk to him, he reiterates like, no, that's, that's not the case. I want to come in. I want to compete. Um, I mean, basically told you that wouldn't really change anything, whether, um, whether Georgia gets him or not. And, you know, does Puglisi come in and beat out Raiola? Does Raiola beat out Puglisi? I don't know. That's still a long way off. But when you're looking for mindsets and character and all that kind of stuff, that's the kind of mindset you want in a, in a, in any player, especially a quarterback is to come in and prove you're the best. And obviously, and I saw someone on the board mention this earlier. I mean, if they both come in, what better place to learn for a year and then maybe even go into the transfer portal after learning at a championship level program than Georgia. So there's still a lot we don't know, but the fact that he's saying, you know, Hey, I want to be, I want to be a Georgia, no matter what that's, I would love if talent aside, I would love that kind of mindset if I'm Kirby smart and Todd Munkin. Yeah. The, the direct quote, the direct quote was, you know, if, if something happens, he meant something meaning if Dylan Raiola commits, that doesn't change my decision. He says, I want to come in and compete. That was a direct quote, Trent. And I think to Jed's point, uh, Trent, the transfer portal and also the level that Georgia is recruiting at defensively even makes that more of a realization because, like Jed said, you're going to be competing. And regardless, starter, non-starter, however it ends up going for either one of those two, if if Raul were to come to Georgia, they're going against the best defense every day in practice in the country. So I think that has a that makes it more of a realistic possibility should that happen. Yeah, and the other possibility is you're looking you're looking ahead and, and just say Carson Beck wins the job and, and and one of the others decides to transfer out. And then Carson Beck elects to go pro after this next year. You're looking at Gunnar Stockton because Georgia didn't take one this past class, so you're going to need to. And uh, you know, it, just just depth just depth wise, you you have you know two freshmen coming in, uh, and then Gunnar Stockton uh, competing for the job the following year. Um, so it, 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 I think Georgia needs a depth, and then going against that defense every day, it is definitely uh, it will improve you. I mean, it's improved Gunnar Stockton a lot this year uh, with the scout team going against that first team uh, defense. Um, you know, the the week of, and I, I know that he's he's performed well in, in bowl practices and 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 really uh, flourished because he's working working against that defense. And uh, you know, you noticed in the TCU game, it doesn't matter if it's the ones, the twos, the threes. Georgia's elite on defense, and they get depth on defense. And whichever squad you're going up against uh, is an elite bunch of guys. So. Um, it, yeah, the, the competition is a good thing, and going against Georgia defense, uh, you know, you can't beat going against the number one team, uh, number one defense in the country. Yeah, and I do want to say on the flip side of that with uh, with Dylan Raiola, uh, Georgia is very much pursuing him. Um, it, was, it was told to me earlier today uh, that Todd Munkin was making his way out there to, to check it, 
check up on Dylan Riola um, and kind of see see how how things are are going there. And I do think uh, that listen, I think George is in a great spot as we reported all the way back on December seventeenth when he decommitted from Ohio State. I went on the vault and said, you know, Georgia is the favorite here, and people. Uh, kind of, people kind of said, oh, no, he's going to be in Nebraska within the week. I'm just telling you, uh, I still I still stand by that point and say George is the, the favorite here. And let me also make it clear that even though I said Todd Munkin's going to visit uh, out there, this is not just a deal about Todd Munkin. And I know that there's – I see it in the chat. I see, you know, questions out there in the vault. I know Todd Munkin's getting, you know, a flirtation from the NFL, and who knows, he, he may actually end up wanting to go back to the NFL one day. But as I talked to Puglisi and to Riola, uh, Georgia has an infrastructure there, and it starts at the tip of the spear there with Kirby Smart that, first of all, Puglisi and Riola, should Riola end up coming to, to Georgia, Kirby Smart is the guy that they have kind of fallen in love with in this program. Also, Mike Bobo is playing a big part in these recruitments, and um, Montgomery Van Gorder as well. So these are these are guys that um, I think are are vital to this process, and it's not just a one one kind of one person deal. But Trent, I do want your thoughts on um, you know Munkin to the NFL, and and what do you, how how big of an impact do you think that would make on the class if that if that were to to take place? Yeah, I think I think Georgia's gone uh, under Munkin. Uh, you know, this is the first you've really seen Kirby just turn over the offense and uh, kind of let uh, an offense coordinator be an offense coordinator. And uh, you know, Munkin's flourished at Georgia. And you know, I'm not sure you know whether or not he goes or not. I, I think one thing he's he's looked for is uh, head coaching positions. I think that's one of the main things he wanted. And uh, is you know being offense coordinator in the NFL or being offense coordinator at University of Georgia, he he doesn't uh, as far as recruiting, he doesn't do as much re- recruiting, uh, you know, from a in the the whole standpoint of uh, recruiting other offensive players. Yes, he has done you know Lad McConkey. He's had picked out some guys, but m- most of the time he's stuck. You know, he's he's just recruiting the quarterbacks. He'll go visit a few people, but he's not like a like a, he doesn't have to uh, do do as much as other guys do at Georgia, from a recruiting standpoint. So um, uh, it, it would have to be the right job, the right place, the right place for his family. And uh, as far as you know, the impact on this class, I think uh, you know Munkins brought a structure and and and, a, and an offense philosophy to Georgia uh, that that Kirby likes, appreciates. And I think uh, even if it, it, this did happen, I don't think you would see a huge, uh, it, it, you know, a huge fall off in recruiting unless they went a couple of years and then they got back to what Pittman did or, you know, not Pittman, what Cheney did and what, you know, the control of the offense and them really uh, not throwing it out to their playmakers, getting their playmakers in space. So I think you would, you wouldn't see it immediately. You might see it a couple of years down the line, but I think Kirby uh, right now has built the, uh, you know, the, has hired the offensive staff he's needed to, to, you know, kind of transition, uh, that offense to the next phase, and he knows that that's what he needs, uh, you know, moving forward, whether it's, you know, Munkin's uh, the offense coordinator or not. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, I think it's where you would miss Todd Munkin the most, obviously, would be the play in that play calling deal, you know, on game day, not as much in the recruiting aspect, and I don't think it would even impact as many of the recruits there. But, I, you know, I think it's a good – deal uh when you're Kirby Smart and you've got a guy who's averaged you know over 40 points a game as an offensive quarter coordinator at that university and that you really really like is uh just about your best friend there uh Jed and, and Mike Bobo that uh that he could turn to if if need be um because people forget you know during those years it wasn't that Georgia wasn't scoring points under Bobo even though uh you know there's all the uh you know the Bobo the Bobo jokes out there that, that go along with everything, but Georgia was scoring points back in those days. Imagine the like old boys club takes that would get fired off, like in a if Glenn Schumann goes to Alabama and Todd Munkin goes to the NFL, and it's Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, and Mike Bobo running the show. Just the the talking heads would explode. Um, but yeah, like and, and Blaine, you mentioned the Mike Bobo being involved in recruitment. I mean, remember last summer when all the talk was about Arch Manning? I said, hey. One guy on the staff that's really huge is Buster Faulkner that that's that's really involved with Arch Manning. And I think 
like you said, when you get a guy of Dylan Raiola's caliber, it's it's a whole staff. I mean, I'm sure Del McGee is building relationships or Brian McClendon. So, I mean, quarterback is unique because quarterbacks take into consideration more scheme fit type things. But as far as, you know, oh, no, the, the offensive coordinator as a person is gone, I don't think it would be, you know, I don't think it would kill Georgia's re- recruiting by any means. But, and like you said, Trent, I don't see him probably leaving Athens unless it's for a, like a head coaching job somewhere. It had to be the, it's not, I don't think he came to Athens as, okay, as a stopover to jump back to the NFL as soon as possible. I think he would really want the right fit, a good place for him and his family. And, um, you know, it would, it would really take something special to prime out of Athens, I think, at least right now. Excuse me. Got strangled on some coffee there. All right. Uh, so, when it comes down to it, you know, we got to circle back around to kind of what Puglisi said with some of those targets there. Jed, we're talking about other um, <clears throat> other big targets that were there besides the the uh, Dylan Raiola deal that we were talking. Obviously, he wasn't there, but that came up as part of the Puglisi conversation. But Sammy Brown, Ellis Robinson, and Daniel Calhoun were the three names he mentioned. I know I talked to uh, to Sammy Brown and – you know, not only does he just – Sammy is about as polished and about as well-versed and, and used to these interviews, so he says a lot of the same stuff over and over again about how uh, amazing his time was and all that kind of stuff. But I do know this. If uh, if Glenn Schumann is texting you um, immediately after Georgia uh, wins – who knows, with as bad as of a beatdown that was, he could have been texting him in the third quarter. Uh, but if Glenn Schumann is texting you like he was Sammy Brown right after that national championship, Victor, you're probably a high-priority guy. Yeah, and and when you look at what the, the Hall of Georgia brought in this year and they've got the Marcus Riddick already committed in that 24 class, Sammy Brown would be a – I mean, when you talk about adding athleticism that inside linebacker room, that would be – Brown and, and Riddick, Riddick would be – those two guys. So, and then Ellis Robinson, he's a guy, you know, you mentioned Puglisi recruiting him. Ellis Robinson currently at IMG Academy, but originally hails from the Northeast of Pennsylvania, New York area. So, um, you know, talk to him. He's, he's, you know, like you said, Blaine, he, he's a very uh, polished in what he says with the media, but he slips in that it always felt like, it felt like you felt, felt like home as usual. Um, so Georgia sits in a great spot with him. Daniel Calhoun, Georgia's a favorite. Edric Houston, I spoke with, um, yesterday, and he he was very complimentary. He said he was rolling through the parade route, and he's looking at all the people and said, "Man, like this could this could be me one day." And I think that's kind of the the message because I think last year, if I remember right, the recruits were on the buses like with players almost. And this year, I noticed at being at the parade, the recruits went through first. And I think yeah. the idea was. Okay, we're gonna make we're gonna give you guys just enough just enough of a taste to be like I really want to be, you know I want I want to be here for the real thing I want to be the ones on the buses twenty minutes behind that people are cheering for so, um, yeah and Edric Houston Ellis Robinson and just it's it's another and then we'll we'll see guys that come out of this I mean last year I remember the parade was really uh, when we saw Jamal Jarrett pop on the radar for the first time so in the wake of this we might see more and more guys kind of pop up as as targets at certain key positions, maybe even defensive line. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's crazy the amount of talent that Georgia has already accumulated in the class of 2024, Jed and Trent, and what, you know, with all you said there, that they could end up accumulating. I mean, it, it's it's on pace to be a – maybe a historic class uh, for, for Georgia now. It's going to take a lot, and you know, to rival that, you know, 2018 class and all that kind of stuff that, that went down, uh, Trent. But it's looking like Georgia is definitely reaping the benefits of back-to-back national championships with this 2024 class, Trent. Yeah, I mean, you you look at the, the, the rankings and you already have, what, you got eight commits and, what, six or so in the rivals 100 or somewhere on there or, you know, right – I don't know where Ryan Puglisi is right now, but um, you you have a you, you know you you already have a firm foundation set, and, and you're not even talking about guys that are uh, you know ranked as five stars currently. Um, you know you you got your Dylan Ryle, you you got um, um, Simmons who were who's a, a, what number three player in the country, uh, Colin Simmons. I mean you got guys that are and Colin Simmons was on campus all the way till what last night. Uh, yeah. So, 
so you got guys um, that you could you could land to go a long ways and and you know kind of seem it in the, as this the uh, the best class in, in Kirby Smart's history and, and that's including the uh, the class with you know where he had Adam Anderson and Owen Smith and um, you the know that whole, class yeah that whole that whole group of five star linebackers that he brought in and I mean he he's had uh, you look back he's had some great classes but this is setting up to be one of his best all time. Um, we'll see see where it goes and see you know where things go with guys like Colin Simmons and, and Dylan Raola, and uh, but I think you're going to see those guys near or at least in the top ten or so, uh, and you know throughout this whole rankings process and uh, you know landing landing two or three guys in that top ten goes a long ways and and you know kind of cement in that top ten cl- or top uh, top class in the country. All right, uh, let's get to questions from the vault, uh, kind of surrounding that topic. Medical Dog wants to know, what recruiting class do you think had the greatest impact in us, Georgia, winning back-to-back titles? And that's from the 2017 class through the 2021 class. I've got my thoughts on it. Uh, Remember, this is winning back-to-back titles, so there's kind of two ways to look at this. Trent, which one? We'll start with Trent, then we'll go to Jed, and I'll finish. Which class do you guys think had the most impact on Georgia winning back-to-back titles? I think we'll start in the 1990 class, 1999 class where Stetson Bennett came out. And, um, 1990. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I thought you were going a Kirby Smart angle there, like saying, well, he went to Georgia, you know, something like that, but he had to go with uh, Stetson being 47 years old. I got you. <laughs> um, you know, the, the 19 class with, with Nolan and, and those guys, I mean, I think you, you had a lot of guys that came out of that class and, and went pro this year uh, or last year um, with N'Kobe Dean and, um, Trayvon and George Pickens and those guys. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, I think it, if you if you look across the board it, at, at all the guys that played, I mean, you could. Uh, I mean, I, I think that this past class was was big just because Michael Williams was a uh, you know big part of it. And I know that's the twenty two class, and we're not discussing that. But I mean, I, I think it's a, a you know a, a combination of, of all these classes because you saw freshmen standing out, you saw seniors standing out. Uh, you saw sophomores standing out, um, like your like your uh, Devin Willicks and and guys like that, where um, you know they they were not supposed to play as early as they did, and and you know they came in and flourished. So I think it was a combination of of, of all the classes. I don't know of, of one classic, you know, standing out in, from from that standpoint. But um, I think just just the you know Kirby and him doing an excellent job of recruiting every year and and building talent and adding talent on top of talent. Um, I think it's really started to show. And, uh, you know, you, you look back at that Rose Bowl game and Georgia playing the national championship back then, and uh, he had not had the opportunity to stack that talent. And now that he's had that opportunity to stack that talent, you're, you're just seeing it flourish on the field. Jed, what class do you think was the biggest impact? Yeah, I'm not uh, old like Trent is, so I actually pulled up the question on the vault uh, right in front of me here. And I'm going to go – I mean, you look at this 2018 class, and you've got yeah. Zamir White, James Cook, Jamari Sawyer, uh, you know, a, a lot of these guys who were on actually last year's championship team. And I yeah. think that's what you look at. Cause even, you know, like Kiaris Jackson hasn't exactly like he hasn't had a Georgia hall of fame career. Chris Smith didn't play the first couple of years. Channing Tindall blew up his last year. Um, but I think those guys are the ones who really helped kind of set that culture. Cause if you look at, you know, 17, they lose the national championship, 18, losing the SEC championship, 19 blown out, 20, COVID year is weird, but you don't even make the SEC championship game. So I think the bulk of that class, these these guys that came back for one more year, yeah, they were kind of responsible for kind of changing the cult, whatever needed to be changed and the DNA traits and the skull sessions and all that kind of stuff. I think it's that class that really kind of, um, you know, helped do that. So even more than on-field stuff, I look at that class and it's got what Quay Walker's in here, Chris Smith, Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, a lot of a lot of the core leaders on the on that first champ- championship team last year. I think you're looking at this class as a whole. You probably look at 2020 or this this championship as a whole. Uh, you probably look at 20 uh, with, with Keely Ringo yeah. and Jalen Carter. This one, this one for sure. This yeah. one for sure. But in terms of the question, going back to back, I think you know in order to accomplish that. You got to win the first one, right? So, so I, I I'm gonna go with what Jed said on the 2018 class because I mean you're looking at guys like Davis and Wyatt and and Sawyer and Zeus and and because Zeus and Cook both came back, you know, uh, a la 
uh, a la you know Nick Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle and their run in twenty seven. They kind of came back for that extra year. So I think uh, I think that is uh, you know kind of. And that's kind of what I'd go with there. Okay, fun question there for Medical Dog. Now let's go to uh, Darth Janus. He says, what is Georgia's contact with Jeremiah Smith? Looking like uh, real smoke there. Here's, here, I posted that note on the on the vault a couple of days ago. I'll tell you this. Dylan Raola does commit to Georgia. I would expect names like that to come into focus, and that's all I would uh, feel you know, at liberty to say about that. I do know that there has been – there has been contact. There has been talk of a visit, um, you know, either either later, uh, either later this month or for spring. And listen, uh, when when you got a, a quarterback that the caliber of a Dylan Raiola, should that take place, I'm sure there's going to be receivers around the country and and a guy that he'd already built a relationship there at uh, uh, at Ohio State as a recruit. That would uh, definitely be something to keep your eye out on. Um, C Buck 11 says, What 24 OL is uh UGA pursuing the hardest? Um, Jed, I think that would have to be Daniel Calhoun if uh, if you know Puglisi's comments are are to be uh, to be read into. Yeah, you look at Daniel Calhoun, he's I think I believe Rivals has him listed as a tackle. I think George is looking at him as a guard, actually. Um, I mean, they're pursuing Cam Pringle, who I is committing one day this week. Um, doesn't seem like that'll be Georgia there, but obviously there's a long way to go. Um, you look at a name like Fletcher Westfall that Stacy Searles is, has kind of identified as a priority guy. Um, Jonathan Daniels, who camped to Georgia last uh, in the summer and, and earned an offer. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think if you're looking at guys they're pursuing hardest, I, I think you'd probably look at Calhoun and, um, yeah, I, I think if I had to pick one, it'd be him and Pringle with, with obviously, like I said, Pringle set to uh, come off the board here in the next few days. And, uh, you know, the uh, from uh, Meadow Creek, uh, Trent uh, Champ uh, Champ Thompson, right, uh, is a guy that I that, uh, think they're, you know, definitely talking to. And he he dropped a top seven, I believe, um, today or today or yesterday that, that had Georgia included in it. Yeah, he, he he plays a lot of offense tackle, but he's going to be a defense lineman. Okay, uh, at, at I knew level. he played offensive line at, at Meadow Creek, so I didn't know which which side of the ball he was going with there. And there and there's some uh, kid up like Massachusetts, like Lambert, uh, there after Kirby Lambert or something. And there, there's several other offense tackles they're after. Um, but yeah, that the ones that Jed mentioned are are really the what they're focusing on. Um, uh, I say the guys that are. That, that the staff's focused on, and, uh, you know, there's some several out-of-state guys that uh, we'll keep an eye on as well. Absolutely. All right, Andy Stowe said – this is specifically for you, Trent. What, if anything, change that made Trent put in the future cast for Dylan Rola? Like, I'll, I'll tell you straight up, when, when, when Blaine mentioned that Georgia was in heavy contention uh, when he decommitted, I – I basically said, no, nah, there's no way Georgia's going to land uh, Dylan Raola. But just after talking to, to people, talking, uh, you know, sources around campus, uh, it, it really came that Georgia's the team to beat in this, uh, that he's got the best relationships with Georgia. And I know there's, uh, you know, the, you know, the, I guess the um, Nebraska being the factor in there, several other schools, USC being there. But, uh, just from overall relationship standpoint and, and uh, well, you know, where Georgia fit, like, feels like they are uh, in this race and, and kind of uh, the way Raul is, is talking, I just feel like Georgia is the team to beat in this. And uh, um, I, I don't see this moving because quarterbacks usually come off the board in the spring. And I like where Georgia sits right here. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that there's still visits to, to take and, uh, uh, you know, from, I'll just be, you know, Frank from talking with, uh, with Dylan and, and, uh, and talking to those close to him that just feel like that, that there's a lot that they really, really like and enjoy about the university of Georgia. And I've felt that way for a while. Honestly, I felt that way before he committed to Ohio state. It was kind of a, uh, there was kind of some, some circumstances that led to that going down, but um, Georgia was really at one point looked to be the team to beat there uh before that before the ohio state thing happened in a in a quick moment and uh that that relationship has been reestablished. um i do know one thing that 
is key in this recruitment is I think that you can point to how Kirby Smart goes about when he loses out on a recruit, maybe even initially. It isn't, uh, you know, we've heard stories uh, through some of the people that we work with uh, of college coaches who don't necessarily handle that phone call well, right, Trent, that when somebody calls and says, hey, I'm committing somewhere else, because let's be honest, these coaches are are spending time away from their families to try to get to know these recruits and their families so they can be a part of their program and all that kind of stuff. They spend a lot of time and, and uh, invest a lot of energy into recruiting these kids. And I can imagine it can be frustrating when you lose out on one, but I know that uh, that is not how that conversation went down with, with Kirby Smart because I was, I was told firsthand about it. And uh, I know that he, I know that coach Smart, you know, basically communicated that Georgia would always, uh, always be there and he, they always want the best for him and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think that kind of made it easy to re- rekindle things when, uh, when he did come back available. Yeah. And, and I think Kirby is, you do this for two reasons because you got uh, the, the opportunity for him to come back on the board and, and Georgia still be right there in the mix and not burn any bridges, but also the transfer portal. Um, you, you see, Georgia being, uh, you know, favorite for some of these guys that they they missed out on uh, early on in their recruiting process, and and Kirby's not one to burn these bridges and and continue to be, um, you know, that talks with the family and stuff. Not not necessarily players that are on campus at, at other schools, but I'm talking about recruits. Was um, he doesn't burn those bridges? Like he, he continues to to build relationships, even even though they might not be coming to school. And I think you can take that approach or you can take like an approach like Clemson and, 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 and tell people, no, you can't, you can't visit anywhere else when you're committed here and stuff like that. And it really doesn't sit well with some of these guys, uh, especially 17, 18 year old kids and, and their, their parents. So um, I think, I think Kirby's done a great job in from, from that standpoint of not burning bridges and, and being able to, um, circle back around because um, j- just the way the staff is, you know, treat treats these young men and treats these these families. Yeah, uh, you know, we've we got a couple comments here on uh, YouTube. Andy Stowe says, "Didn't uh, I'll get a wrestling reference next week? It didn't feel right with that." Well, I'll give you one, Andy. I, I posted a tweet uh, going into the national championship game, just thinking. What does this mean if Georgia wins back-to-back national championships? And it was a reference to what, you know, the great Ric Flair said. He said about the horsemen back in the day, he said, you don't have to like it, but learn to love it because it's the best thing going today, okay? And that is what Georgia football has become uh, under Kirby Smart. Truly remarkable. You know, king king of the hill right now in terms of on the field. And then if you look at the 24 and 25 classes, we've talked about getting there as well. I'm wondering if this Austin Wilson that is in here in the chat is the Austin Wilson I played football with at North Hall. If you are, put it in the chat there, Austin. Uh, glad that you're on here with us. So appreciate appreciate that. Uh, and then uh, the, the DGD podcast has considered Georgia didn't get a 2023 quarterback. You get Dylan and pug yeah definitely like trent said want to go after both and uh hold on the 25 and go all hands on deck for gugio listen i don't think george is ever going to just hold on a class okay they're 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 going after antoine hill they're going after ryan montgomery okay in that that uh 2025 class so and the the thing about it is guys none of these high profile quarterbacks are scared of anybody else I'm just telling you, they're, they're not. Ryan, Ryan Montgomery was on here with us. He, he said, I don't care who's committed to Georgia or I don't care who's committed to Ohio State or I don't care who's committed to Michigan. He feels like he can compete at any of those schools. And uh, same thing with Antoine Hill when we talk about talk with him and Puglisi and Raola. So, Jed, I just think there's great confidence in these guys because of how they're being developed at the high school level now. Yeah, and high school level, seven on seven. I mean, a lot of these guys, they get the the private quarterback coaches that work uh, with them since they're, you know, seven, eight years old. So, um, and, and listen, that can change when, like, everyone says that. And then if you get to campus, you can hit the transfer portal. And, and you can't really begrudge your kid for doing that, especially a quarterback. But, um, you know, every guy thinks they're the guy. And, and when we had Ryan Puglisi on here um, not long after he committed – he seemed like a guy who 
um not not to say he's full of himself because that's that's not an accurate characterization but he seemed he seemed very sure of himself and his abilities and he thinks he's the best guy and georgia has told him like look we want you over some of the other guys that we're looking at in this class we've seen you throw we want you um that doesn't mean you don't pursue a guy like dylan Iola when he comes available but all these like you said all these guys think they're the best and, and they get on campus and the, the chips fall where they may but at least initially, initially, all these guys want to come in and prove that that they're the guy to lead this program or any program, um, you know, to another championship. I think the quarterback position is is with the transfer portal is very important to take one per year, no matter what, even if there's two in the twenty four class. Um, just for the simple fact that there's only one position on the field for a quarterback, you know, with, with these DBs or defense linemen. You're looking at multiple spots these guys can play with the cross-training and the offensive linemen, the way they cross-train. Um, and there's a better opportunity to go on the field. But if you're, you're taking one every year, you can uh, kind of make sure that you have three or four guys on campus uh, for, for the um, guys that, you know, th- there's going to be guys that it don't work out and then they, they, transfer, uh, they transfer or enter the transfer portal. And But I think quarterback is the, the position that you have to uh, recruit yearly and have to have a guy on campus yearly just, just to, like, for the transfer portal. Yeah, uh, real quick, uh, we'll run through some more of these YouTube questions here. Uh, Crystal Chrissy asks, how many more players will transfer? How many more will Georgia get from the portal? I, I don't know. What's the count right now on the transfers? I'm not sure the the certain number, but I know Don Blaylock just uh, went in uh, to the to the portal this evening. There's there's been a, a, a numerous amount of guys that that uh you know were more in kind of depth type roles, and now you could probably see some more that are maybe uh, maybe some backup offensive linemen possibly in there. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if you saw maybe another receiver or two, uh, you know, in the leave because Georgia is going to be absolutely loaded at wide receiver next year. And I, I know that people may think, well, you need depth and all that kind of stuff. Georgia is going to address that. But I think the, the one more piece and now Georgia added smoke buoy from the, from the portal trend. I think that's, you know, Kirby very familiar there with the Bainbridge background and all that kind of stuff. But I think if there was, if you could inject some truth serum into the Georgia staff and say, what's one more thing you would like to get from the portal if you could, I think it would be one more experienced athletic corner out of the portal. If they could get one more of those, because I feel like there could maybe even be a little attrition there with some of the depth. Yeah, I mean, you you got you you got Keely Ringo leaving for the NFL. You got probably Dalen Everett or Nylon Green, one of those two guys. And Dalen Everett uh, played a lot more than Nylon, uh, maybe due to Nylon having a few injuries during the beginning of the season. That's really the, all you got it, with, with those two and Kamari Lasseter coming back. I know Javon Board's back, but he's the, he's more of the star. Um, I, I don't see him moving out to corner. Uh, so you, you really only have three guys that are that are you know have had game game reps, and you know you brought in that class last year. You brought in this class this past year, and uh, I mean you have guys on campus, but experience plays a big factor in this defense. Um, so it, it would not surprise me, uh, especially with with Kirby and Muschamp being defensive back guys to to see Georgia if one comes available uh, to kind of uh, hit on a cornerback in the portal. But I think Georgia does like where they're at at corner with with Dalen Everett, um, you know, kind of coming on this year as a true freshman, playing a lot of snaps. But uh, you can never, uh, you know, having having a guy who has game experience, um, who's who's been there and done that is is you know important as well. So it would not surprise me, uh, whichever way that goes. But um, uh, we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, real quick, we'll go around and everybody just throw a number out here. John Hicks says, what's your confidence percentage as of today of Deuce committing to Georgia? Deuce Robinson tied in from Arizona. Go ahead, dude. What? 78. 78. Trent? 78.2. And I'm, I'm going to say 90. I, I think Georgia is like – I think Georgia's in a great spot. I really do. The, the only thing that kicks me back a little bit is the baseball aspect of it um, because I know Texas is on them hard from baseball and I know they have an elite baseball program. But uh, I, I do like where Georgia sits because of, you know, that the relationships and what he told me in Orlando and, and the baseball side of it. He said that he really appreciated that he was offered by Georgia first uh, in baseball and not, not, uh, and not football. 
And I think that's played a huge role in, uh, you know, his relationship with um, the, the Georgia baseball staff. And so, yeah, I, I like where Georgia sits for sure. Um, you know, USC's got the relationship standpoint, but not as much, uh, you know, it, he's more familiar with the recruits and, and players because he is from the West Coast. But I do like where Georgia sits. I think Alabama is more uh, behind those three schools, but I think um, – Georgia and Texas would be probably the top two in my eyes, and and Georgia's got a you know got a big lead. Yep, and guys, we've covered uh, we've covered a lot of ground uh, in this episode. We appreciate all of you tuning in. Make sure that you hit the like button and subscribe. It's absolutely free. It helps us out. Um, I do want to. Uh, I didn't do it earlier. Uh, you've seen scrolling at the bottom. I want to thank Turner Wood and Smith uh, Insurance, Auto Owners Insurance, and Cooperation. Uh, with each other for sponsoring the show and uh, helping us out a hundred years. Both of them have been, been here. And I do have an announcement guys uh, on Wednesday is the debut episode of Georgia players section. Uh, I'll be on here with former Georgia Bulldogs, Tavares King and no Sean Marino. Uh, it's going to be a weekly show that's on here. So if you don't subscribe, you need to subscribe for that. And here's the promo uh, January 18th at 8.30, our first guest is going to be Todd Gurley. Uh, so we'll have the former Georgia running back Todd Gurley on here Wednesday night, 8.30. Uh, so make sure to tune in to Georgia Players section with DeVaris and Noshon on UJSports.com here on the YouTube channel. It'll be every Wednesday night at 8.30. Uh, we'll be coming to you and, and just, they'll be sharing a, a player's perspective of all the going-ons at Georgia and things around the SEC. So uh, we we appreciate you guys tuning in, and uh, we'll we'll be having more coverage of Georgia football recruiting as we as we go forward each and every day. So make sure you're over on the vault checking things out. And uh, guys, for Trent Smallwood and Jed May, I am Blaine Gilmer. We'll catch you next time on UJ Sports Rumors versus Facts. <laughs>